0: Are starting a brand new series in Galatians. I skipped our intro video this week. It's all good. You'll see it next week. Um, we are starting a brand new series called Gospel 101. Gospel 101. Today is an introductory sermon. I understand that we have a lot going on. I know that the uh, family dedication at the end of our service is going to be a special time. And so today's sermon is simply entitled. Welcome to Galatia. Welcome to Galatia. I'm going to read our text. We're in Galatians chapter one, and we're going to begin in the first verse. We here at our church, we do a couple of different ways of teaching, but our primary way of teaching and preaching God's Word is to preach through books of the Bible. And so Galatians is, is our next choice of book, and we believe it's going to be a blessing to you. You'll hear from me. You'll hear from some of our other guys uh, that lead through this book. Um, pastor Chris Hankins, uh, pastor of the Point Church out in Wake County, will be here one week as well, and he is considering staying in our Galatians series. So you're going to hear from different people um, in the same book, and so I'm excited about that. Galatians chapter one and verse one, if you don't have a Bible, feel free to open up your phone, check an app, or you can see it on the screen. You ready? Verse one, Paul, an apostle. Not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for your sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Before we pray this morning, many of you are here today, family of, uh, of our little ones who are getting dedicated. I want to welcome you, and I do want to thank you for being here today. Can we pray together, and then we'll open up God's word. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We're so grateful for our church family. We're grateful most of all for Jesus today. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes through the beginning of this book, as we kind of lay the foundation and set the stage for what Paul was trying to communicate to the churches there in Galatia. And God, I pray that we would be prepared uh, and ready to hear and then make changes in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want us to see, as we dig right into the text today, I want to see you to see Paul's passion for Galatia. Paul's passion for Galatia. As you can... Uh, and if you don't understand this, it's okay, but as you begin studying your Bible more and more, understanding timelines and when things are happening, so basically everything, m- m- the vast majority of what Paul does in his writings in the New Testament actually took place in the book of Acts. Okay, so Paul would be at a certain place in the book of Acts, and that is where he would write the letter to the Ephesians, is where he would write the letter to Uh, The church at Corinth. And so the timeline really of the New Testament almost is the book of Acts from start to finish. I mean, so much takes place right there. And so Paul has a passion for the the area uh, of the world called Galatia. And, And here's why. Paul, as you know, was a missionary. He was a church planting missionary. And he went on multiple missionary journeys, three main missionary journeys. Well, on his First missionary journey, and we're going to show you because I'm a visual learner, okay? On his first missionary journey, he sets, uh, sets sail, goes to Cyprus, um, there the, the island. Um, by the way, thank you, Ralph F. Wilson, for this, uh, for this thing. I want to give him credit. Um, I don't know who that is, but we found it. Um, and then you see they sailed from Cyprus, they sailed up into Pamphylia, okay? So that is not Galatia. They went from Pamphylia up to Antioch. That is when we enter the northwest corner of Galatia up there. And it will travel from Antioch down to Iconium, down to Lystra, down to Derby, do a U-turn, go back to Lystra, back to Iconium, back to Antioch, and then come home, okay? So where does the book of Galatians, how does that fit in there? We're going to leave that up for you to digest as I walk through what happened during the first missionary journey. Paul arrives in Antioch in Acts chapter 13 and verse uh, 14. And from Acts 13, 14 to Acts 13, 52, Paul and Barnabas, his ministry partner at the time, they preached the gospel uh, to both the Jews and the Gentiles. I don't have a lot of time this morning to explain this, but the Jews weren't happy that the gospel was being given not just to them, but it was also being given to the Gentiles. Jews did not like that. So he's in Antioch, preaches the gospel. The gospel's for the Jews, the gospel's for the Gentiles. Gentiles are great with that, they're excited. Jews are like, no, okay, don't like that. He travels from Antioch to Iconium in Acts chapter 14, the very next chapter, verses 1 through 7. Paul and Barnabas arrive there, they once again preach the gospel, and they are stoned by the unbelieving Jews, the Jews who did not want to believe their message. They, they Not stoned and like, you know, not like, anyway. Y'all know where I'm going. Um, but uh, like physically rocks, like throwing at them stoned, all right? Um, there was really not an appropriate way for me to move forward there, so I just backed out, all right? But uh, anyway, but they, they literally, the unbelieving Jews in that area, stoned them, okay, um, and, and so they leave Iconium, probably a good decision, they leave Iconium and they, they go down to Lystra, it's a very short trip, and Paul and Barnabas there healed a man, and the people there in Lystra immediately begin worshiping them as gods, like obviously if you heal this person, we saw you heal this person, and they begin worshiping uh, Paul, by the way, we can learn a lot of lessons from that text and how Paul dealt with man worship, and it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. But then the, the uh, unbelievers there uh, who, who, who didn't believe what Paul and Barnabas did, uh, they not only went out and took rocks and, and, and stoned Paul and Barnabas, but they actually left them for dead. In fact, they thought they had killed them, most theologians believe. So in Antioch, the Jews got mad. In Iconium, the Jews stoned them. Okay. In Lystra, the Jews stoned them again and thought they killed them. Now, Derby, they get to Derby, and according to Acts chapter fourteen, in the two verses that deal with Derby, this is all we know. They go to Derby and they preach the gospel. You might you might think that sounds insignificant, but if you think about the journey of Paul and Barnabas through Galatia. Two out of the three cities they had gone to previously, they had been stoned and left for dead. And you know what they did? They got up, and they went to the next city, Derby, and what did they do? They preached the gospel. I mean, they were committed. They were committed. They got up and they preached the gospel in Derby. They turn around, and they begin their journey back. And they, can you imagine this? They retraced their steps. They go back. From Derby to Lystra, where they were left for dead. And what do they do? They want to find the believers, the church, the Christians, and they strengthen them in their faith. They pour into them. They go back. Uh, After leaving Lystra, they go up to Iconium, and they strengthen the believers. They find the believers, those that had established the church there, and they begin to strengthen them in their faith. And then they go back to Antioch, and they, they make their way down, strengthening the believers. That is why... Paul is passionate for the churches in Galatia. He nearly, and Barnabas, lost his life to get them the gospel. He very really was left for dead. All to get the gospel to this group of churches, to this area of the world, which is modern day Turkey, by the way. And Paul wrote this letter soon after he left Galatia. They believe that he immediately returned at the end of his first missionary journey and penned this letter because of his burden. As you can imagine, those unbelieving Jews who stoned Paul and Barnabas and left him for dead, they didn't stop. They wanted to infiltrate the minds and the hearts and the lives of those people who did believe. They continued on their their journey to take down this quote-unquote to them truth. They wanted to discredit all that Paul and Barnabas had taught. His heart was directly connected to these people. He had met them. Many of them he he had led to faith in Christ. We preached through the book of Colossians last year as a church. If you remember at the beginning of that book, we told you, The unique thing about Colossians is Paul had never met those people in person. He had just heard of them. So Paul was kind of a step removed from Colossae. Not so for the book of Galatians. Paul was intimately connected. The people he's writing this letter to, Paul had either led them to Jesus or Paul had been the influential person for them coming to Jesus. Paul loved these churches in Galatia, and he cared deeply for them. You can see, obviously, on the screen that this was not just a church. This is a region of the country, a region of the world, and there were multiple churches there, so we believe this letter was taken and passed around from church to church as they read Paul's letter. Paul's passion. Can I say this this morning? We understand Paul's passion for Galatia because... Because of how much he had invested his life in the people of this area, of Galatia. Once again, willing to die to get the gospel to these people. I'm not going to lie. After I was stoned and then stoned and left for dead, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to Derby. You know what I'm definitely not going to do? I'm not going to turn around and go back to the cities again. I'm going to hightail it south, I'm going to find a boat, and I'm going back where I came from, right, and understandably so, but Paul's heart was connected, and Paul didn't care. He didn't care about what everybody else was going to do because he cared for them so much, and so we see Paul's passion for Galatians, so as we unpack this book, we need to understand that he directly is connected to these people. He loves these people. And he wants these people to be, to be right with God. So secondly this morning, not only his passion for Galatia, but we see Paul's validation of apostleship. Paul's validation of apostleship. Now, I don't believe that I've, hi- I've, I've taken time to highlight this in previous letters. Many of Paul's letters, I would say most of Paul's letters in the New Testament, he begins by referring to himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, some of them, uh, one or two, he will say, I'm a servant. There was reasonings behind all of those. But in this specific instance, I want us to understand why Paul felt like he needed to validate himself as an apostle. Look at the first verse of Galatians chapter 1, the very first verse in our text. It says, Paul an apostle, and notice the in-parentheses part, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Why did this matter? Why in this context of the book of Galatians did Paul introduce himself leading out with he was an apostle? And this one uniquely, not just that I'm an apostle, But the parentheses part, like, by the way, I'm an apostle of Christ, not of some man. And here's why. Paul makes his seemingly sharp and in-your-face introduction due to the fact that other church leaders and these angry, unbelieving Jews were trying to persuade the Galatian churches to believe that Paul was not a true apostle, And in that context, the apostles were the ones who Jesus had personally sent out. They had personal, tangible, physical interaction with Jesus, and he had sent them out. And so these church leaders and unbelieving Jews were trying to persuade uh, those in the true church, those who had believed Paul's message, that Paul was not who he said that he was. They said that he was a second-hand Apostle. And to be fair, was Paul there when Christ ascended and left this earth? Was he one of the men that were there that were sent out? He was not. And so the accusation is understandable. By the way, the word apostle means one who is sent. And especially in that day, it became a technical term in Christianity for the original men who stood there as Jesus ascended, ascended, and he sent them out. And Paul's opponents and those who wanted Paul's silence suggested that uh, Paul's message he was proclaiming was just secondhand hand apostleship from, from the other true apostles and he was not truly an apostle. We know this, that while Paul may have not been there when the apostles were sent out, Paul had a direct encounter with Jesus. You remember, he was on the road, on the road to Damascus. He's on that road to Damascus and a bright light shines, stops him in his tracks, and, and Paul is converted. And I'm, when I say converted, I'm not talking about Paul was like, yeah, man, if you'll get off my porch, I'll say this prayer with you. I mean Paul was converted. Some of y'all grew up in church, I can tell. Um anyway, Paul was converted. I'm talking about I'm heading to Damascus to kill Christians. And now I show up saying Jesus saves. I'm headed I'm headed to the city as Paul I'm sorry, as Saul, and I arrive as Paul. Like his life was completely changed on the road to Damascus. And so Paul's apostleship was given to him at that moment when Jesus literally came to him and changed his life. But what we see here is Paul's character was being questioned. Paul's character, who he said he was, the man himself was being drawn into question and attacked. And so Paul said, I'll handle that in this letter, in the very first sentence of the letter. I will let you know that I'm an apostle, and I will tell you that I'm not a second-hand apostle. I am a true apostle of Jesus. And so we we see his character came in to question but what about his message? That's thirdly. Paul's gospel greeting. Paul's gospel greeting, look back in our text. It's what we do, man. We open up to God's word and we preach it. Look back in our text at verse 3 in Galatians chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pause. Not in my notes. Y'all know where this is, you know. Anyway. Man, if I could greet every one of you in your own personal lives, and I could say, Daniel and Lindsay, sorry to call you out, but you were awake, so figured it was not If I could wish two things on Daniel and Lindsay, you know what I would wish? Grace. That the grace of God would just be so evident in their life, and that God's grace would be magnified in their life, and they would live in God's grace and, and peace with all the chaos that's going on in this world, with all the chaos going on around us, man, if I could greet everyone individually pers- on a personal level, I would greet you with those two words, grace and peace. And that is exactly what Paul does in many of his epistles and letters. But he says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Hey, Paul, when are you going to start talking about the gospel? Let's start it in the second sentence, okay? Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Paul jumps right into the beauty of the gospel. He highlights some elementary elements, some very easy-to-understand elements of the gospel right here in this text, in the very beginning of this book. Jesus gave himself. We were sinners. When he died. He offered us deliverance from this evil age. All of this was done. To fulfill the father's will. He goes through and highlights. Elements of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. Right here in this text. And what we're going to find out is. Is. Next week, as we continue our study in the book of Galatians, that there had been what Paul calls another gospel that had been preached to them. A false gospel. A gospel that was not the true uh, gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Paul immediately, in this letter to the the Galatian churches, he wanted to make sure that he laid a gospel foundation. And you say, Josh, this is an easy time For you to address all these people here and say, if you've never believed the good news of the gospel, today is the day. And may I say, if you've never believed the good news of the gospel, today is the day. Jesus Christ gave of himself for your sins, and he he took sin's penalty, and he died on the cross for you, and he loves you. And he cares about you. And he loves you more than you can even comprehend this morning. And he wants a relationship with you. Will you repent and believe that good news this morning? Yeah, that is very applicable today. And may I say that's the way we're going to close our service with that invitation. If you've never believed on the name of Jesus Christ, we want today to be the day that you do that. But may I bring it into context? To the churches in Galatia. To the believers in Galatia, this is a theme you're going to hear throughout this entire series. The gospel was not just something they needed to believe in at conversion when he came through and preached to them on his missionary journey. No, they needed the gospel re-preached to them, re-understood, re-emphasized They needed not only to believe the gospel, but they needed to grow deeper in their understanding of the gospel. I don't know about you this morning, but when I trusted Jesus as my Savior and became a follower of Christ, there were things that I understood about the gospel. But man, as as life and time and Bible study and preaching and seasons have gone on in my life, There are times when I'm like, man, I didn't even realize the gospel meant that. Man, I didn't even understand what Jesus really did. And this morning, may I say this. The gospel is not only important to the unbeliever, but the gospel is greatly important to the believer. May I present this to you today, that the gospel is not the first lap of your Christian life, but it is the entire race. It's the marathon. May I say this this morning, that the gospel is not the point from which we grow from in our Christian life, but it is actually the point that we grow deeper into as a Christian. And listen, I'm not discrediting anything here today. When you believed in Jesus, you might have just been like, I don't want to go to hell, and I want to go to heaven, and there's an empty feeling in my heart, and Jesus is the answer. And if that's you, that's awesome. May I say this? There's so much more to the gospel than a get-out-of-hell-free card. Stay on your notes. It's not, well, now my eternity's good. Go have fun, live it up until you die. No, the gospel changes everything. It makes you a new person. It makes you a new husband. It makes you a new wife. It makes you a new friend. It makes you a new son or daughter this morning. It takes you from being a slave and a servant of sin to being a son or a daughter of Jesus. The king. Amen. (laughs) The implications and the layers of the gospel are so rich and so deep that forever, from now until the time we leave this earth, we will find ourselves understanding more and more of the richness and the beauty and the depth of the gospel. I'll give you an illustration in my life. It wasn't until after my conversion and after I came to faith in Christ that I really understood and comprehended that when Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when Jesus was on the cross and he stretched out his arms on the cross, that he didn't just pay for my sin, he became my sin. And I still, to this day, my mind gets boggled when I think of it. The the, the most wicked, vile, disgusting sin that we could think of. The worst murderer. He became. He became that sin on the cross. He literally took that sin and placed the sin on himself. And that's an element of the gospel that it took me a little while to be like, oh my. So when I mouth off to my wife and don't obey her, <laughs> um, uh, when, I, when, I, when I am not right with my wife, you know what? As petty, as, little, as small as that may seem, that's a sin that Jesus became on the cross for me. And what did that result in on the cross? You remember? What happened? What did God the Father do when Jesus was on the cross and, and that cup was taken and he was, his, what did God have to do? He had turned his back. He had turned his back on his own son. Why? Because he had become our sin and my sin. That's just an illustration of growing deeper in the gospel this morning. Growing deeper in the gospel. I be- I believe and I trust if you are a part of our church or you plan on coming back for the rest of this series my goal and my prayer for you is that God through his Holy Spirit and the teaching and preaching of his word would would open up your eyes and you would say, man, that's an element of what Jesus did for me in the gospel that just became real to me. Not that you maybe didn't know it, but it became real. Man, you know what? That doctrine of fill in the blank, man, that just, man, Holy Spirit has just opened my eyes to that. And man, I go to work tomorrow just with a, A refreshed view of the gospel. That's my goal. My ultimate goal is that those who have never believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, they've never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, would realize the beauty of the gospel and the good news and how it can impact their lives. But to close out this morning, we saw that Paul's apostleship was questioned. You're not a real apostle. And we saw his message was questioned, right? The man was questioned, and the message was questioned. N.T. Wright says it this way about the book of Galatians. Paul's true apostleship and true gospel, okay? If we will grasp those things, the rest of the letter will make more sense. So if we can understand that those are the things that were being called into question. Paul is a person, and the message Paul was preaching, the man and the message. And Paul writes this letter to clear up that he was a true apostle and that the gospel was truly good news to the Jews, amen, to the Gentiles, amen. If you're here this morning and you are not a direct bloodline Jew, you better be glad and grateful that the gospel was for the Gentiles. If you're here today and you've never believed that good news that Paul highlights at the beginning of this text, if you've never believed that news, why not today? Some of you may be here with family and that's all good. Some of you may have been coming to our church for years, and that's all good. I had only been in church 19 years as a pastor's son before I finally surrendered and believed the gospel. But I wonder if that's you today. Listen, it's it's good news. But may I say it's it's only good news because it's bad news to those who don't believe. Can I repeat that? The good news is only good news because it's bad news for those who don't believe. There has to be like a point-counterpoint. And I say and encourage you this morning, if you have yet to take the step of faith and belief in Jesus, there is no better time than right now. There is no better day than today. He loves you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. We have a, a phrase that we use around here. You matter to God. You matter to us. And can I say, way more important than you mattering to us is that you know that you matter to God. You matter so much that Jesus died for you. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.